Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Jeanette Ma is back, and we're going to talk about letting go of attachment and need and want and creating the results that you want. So it's a fascinating conversation, and we're going to talk about our feelings. And I will circle back after my conversation with Jeanette. Thanks so much for listening. Jeanette Ma, welcome back to my show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. And I love how you talk about that we're playing together. This is awesome because play is a hard word for me. So, Well, I'm I'm a rising Capricorn, so it's not my nature either, but I've learned how to, and I just wish we did it more often. That's all. (laughs) And for me, it's a good reminder because for whatever reason, like I, my definition of play is I have to be on a playground. Mm. But talking with people is my play. Like I love mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Honestly. So, so thank you for being here. And we're going to talk about letting go of attachment. Ooh. Yeah. What that is, why it matters, and how you really can do it even when you think you can't. Uh, it's been on my mind lately because I recently had a handful of emails from people who were asking. It seems kind of like a random thing. Everyone's asking this at the same time, but it's not random. It's law of attraction. Uh, they were asking about my experience in changing the past. I have um, a blog post or I've mentioned it somewhere. Maybe it's at a GVU call, but I was talking about how I had followed Lynn McTaggart's instructions on how to change something that's already done, which seems like you can't do that. What's done is done. But no, it turns out you can. Not only can we do it, but they've been doing it in laboratories for years. I mean, this is a real thing. Anyway, they were asking how to do it. And A couple in particular, when I explained how I had done it before, I said, I think one of the reasons it was so successful for me in the past was because I didn't need it to change. And I could tell the way they were asking their questions, they were very attached. They needed to change this thing that they were not at peace with at all. And I said, look, one of the keys to doing this, whether it's changing the past or creating something new in the future, it's to not need it because that vibration of need is the opposite of have, and we can only get what we vibrate. So when I'm vibrating need, I I perpetuate my state of need. It doesn't create satisfaction or fulfillment. And and that answer wasn't very satisfying to them. (laughs) They uh, were not really delighted to hear that I was basically telling them, yeah, you can do it when you don't need it anymore. But that's what, that's a key part of successful creation. And we really can, even when it seems like there's something we really, really, really want, there is a way for us to drop the need for it, to release our attachment. And that makes us, um, it, it gives us a much better setup for success in creating it. How do Does you, that, yes. How do you drop the need? Well, I think that it, it's just basically doing some internal thought work really is what we're talking about here in recognizing that, um, first of all, that approach doesn't work. So that knowing that gives me big incentive to drop the need, knowing that whatever I'm vibrating, I'm just perpetuating more of the same. So already that would give me <laughs> stronger motivation to make some peace 
right? So just, I think that's an important first step to understand needing it is actually going to continue blocking you from it. But after that, it becomes a matter of creating a different vibrational state. And if all we did was focus on appreciation or happiness or enjoyment or peace or relief, anything along those lines is an improvement over the vibration of need. So the way I practice it is that I remind myself that my happiness isn't dependent on anything outside of me, that I'm in charge of how I feel. And I have done that enough times. We've probably told some of those stories in our conversations before to know the truth of that. When I thought, I even did it recently when I was buying this house. We were just talking before we hit the record button about how I moved. And I was in a pretty stressful situation before with the guy that I used to live with we had lived together peacefully for quite a while, but eventually it became not so peaceful. So there was a lot of stress and tension and anxiety, even some fear about my current circumstances. And I, I don't let me get too sidetracked here. I'm going to forget what I was originally talking about. But I, and I've done this before. I know this isn't how it works. But I really believed for a while that once I found a new place and once I moved, then I would feel better. And sure enough, I did find a new place and I did move and I didn't really feel better. (laughs) I felt the same anxiety, the same stress that I had been practicing for all those months leading up to the move for different reasons. It wasn't for the reason of, oh, I got to move all these animals because I just moved all the animals. It wasn't because I wasn't sure I could find a place that I loved. It wasn't because I was nervous about everything coming together that allowed it to happen. It was, be, it was for completely different reasons. But what it comes down to is whatever vibration we've been practicing, we've got more of the same in store. Even when we go to the trouble to change the external circumstances, we're going to feel whatever we've got momentum behind, whatever we've been practicing a lot of. And mine had been stress and anxiety. So I got here. Now I had new stress and anxiety. And that was my wake-up call yet again. I've had a couple of these already in my life, but apparently I needed another one to remind me that how I feel is not dependent on what's happening out here. Because even when I think I get the out here just the way I want it, that that can't be in charge of how I feel. Only I am in charge of how I feel. So it's on me to find happiness, peace, joy, whatever it is that I want. I've got to find that my own self, despite what is or isn't happening out there. So when I remind myself that, That's how I can drop attachment for something else, thinking that that's required in order for me to be a happy girl. I know for me to be a happy girl is for me to choose to be a happy girl. And that just comes from finding something more positive to think about, a better feeling thought or a reason to laugh or smile. Or even if it's just, if we're just talking about naps or baths or a good book, anything that makes me feel better, it's it's for me to choose that, not to try to get the external set up perfectly for me to experience that. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah, you know this. Yeah, so for someone who thinks that, uh, yeah, but they're really dialed down on this particular thing, I'm just telling you that position isn't going to help. It's actually going to slow down your progress. So however you can let that go, and that might just be by being willing to remind yourself the sorts of thoughts that, you know, that are helpful. Like, um, how I feel isn't dependent on this. I'm in charge of how I feel or I can feel better right now. I'm doing it even by thinking a thought like that. I mean, it, it really is internal work. We've, we've got to stop looking for the outside to change how we're feeling. Don't you think people go into that neediness because 
well, one, they don't know how to do this thought work, right? And, but two is that they think that neediness mm-hmm. is actually going to be the driving oh, yeah. force of the change. You're exactly right. They're afraid to let go of it because they think if they do, then they're letting go of their desire and it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And we've probably experienced that before in our life where we can look back on just personal experience and know the truth of that rather than take someone else's word for it. Uh, Because a lot of times that's when something good happens. When we finally give up, we throw in the towel, we walk away. Even if it's out of frustration, once we give up that having to have it and that trying hard to get it, it's amazing how often it, it shows up right after that. Abigail Steidley, one of our colleagues, tells a wonderful story. I quoted her in, in the book that that's titled a, term she coined slacker manifesting where she talks about how she's working hard at all these things that she wanted for a long long time working so hard at it all she wore herself into a state of exhaustion to the point where she literally couldn't do it anymore she was physically exhausted overwhelmed incapable of continuing and she laid down (laughs) for five days (laughs) and in that space of five days just about everything she'd been working on so hard happened But that's so counterculture. I know. I know, I know. That's why we're talking about it. So many people, even me, I know this. And yet there I was still thinking, if I could just find my place, we'll get out of here and life will be good again. Life will be good again when I decide life is good and I find that vibration my own self, not when I find my house and move into it. Do you think there's there's a difference between want and need? Yeah, I think there is. our, our languaging, the way we perceive these words might influence how someone hears this discussion, but want, the word itself, denotes lack, right? It's not, it's not have, it's not fulfill, it's, it's, it's not having. But even in the space of wanting something, you can want it but not need it. Like You can have a clean desire for something that isn't tinged with that attachment of, I got to have it or my life won't feel complete. But so I would say there are there's vibrational room for improvement. Certainly when you're flowing need, that's that's energy that doesn't help most situations. But even when you when need isn't present and you're just wanting, that's an improvement, but it still isn't having. You we've told the story that Greg Braden tells about praying rain, where his Native American friend the way he conjured up the rain was to feel the rain, not to ask for rain because asking for rain is the vibration of not having it. What he did was he conjured that frequency, that energetic signal that said, I've got rain. (laughs) Big difference. Okay. So need, then want, then having. You know, that's what I, when I want something to happen fast, I practice feeling it like it's already so. Like when I had all the workers out here scheduled, I had the internet and the phone guy coming and the cleaners and the movers and the furniture delivery people. And it was the way things were scheduled was such that it was completely wrong. Like this was absolutely not going to work out because I was going to have wet carpets when I, when the cleaners were supposed to be doing windows and blinds and baseboards. And and it it was like, I don't see how this is going to work out. I, and doing it from the muggle place, trying to make it work my own self, trying to rearrange schedules and get a hold of people. And it just wasn't working. And I was getting, I was working myself into a state of frustration. And that was my cue being aware of how I felt that while I'm vibrating frustration, 
good things aren't going to happen. I'm going to get more things to feel frustrated about. So I just practiced feeling like it all worked out perfectly. I practiced letting myself have what I wanted. It wasn't already my my reality, and there was no reason to believe it was going to be my reality, but I know that universe has to match whatever I'm willing to feel. The same way Greg's friend is out there feeling up a rainstorm and making it rain, I decided to feel it all worked out perfectly. Yay! It couldn't have been better. And sure enough, <laughs> things happened. Someone, someone got delayed. Someone else showed up early. Someone's van broke down in the canyon. They had to stop and fix something before they arrived. And it worked out perfect, it, and it shouldn't have. It absolutely shouldn't have, but universe is so incredibly creative and capable when we just let it in to do a little magic in our lives, which our part is being willing to feel it before it's real. So I want to go back to something you just said for the newbie listener who comes in and is like, wait, what do you mean the universe has to match what I'm feeling? Can you break that down? Yeah, I use the term universe, but whether you call it the field or the matrix, that's what they call it in science circles, or whether you call it God or all that is, um, that it's the, it's the way the system is set up that we get whatever we vibrate. So whatever my energetic frequency is, it's being matched by the field or the matrix, or the universe, whatever you want to call it, however you want to think about that as. And so all I have to do is be willing to lead the party by feeling what I want. And that's why a simple practice like daily appreciation is so powerful. (laughs) Because when you're in a state of appreciation, you become a vibrational match to everything that you want. So it's like opening the doors to cue universe or higher power to say, hey, I'm ready for everything that's, that you know that I've been wanting, bring it on. What feeling states um, are you most powerful in? Hmm. Ooh, boy, that is such a good question. And I think that's potentially different for each of us. I'm going to ask you the same thing as I, as I think about this. I get, a, I get a little bit of juice from, I'm going to be honest, when someone tells me I can't do something... <laughs> There's, there's a part of me that says, oh yeah, watch me. I get a lot of fuel from that. So if my poor parents giving me curfews as a kid, they'd say, be home at 10. I'd come home at 1030. Okay. Be home at 11. I'd come home at midnight. Okay. Be home at midnight. I wouldn't come home at all. Um, It's like whenever someone drew a line for me, I, I just wanted to be in charge of my own self. So when someone tells me I can't do it or it can't be done, oh, I just love it. I, I get a lot of power from that. But I don't think it's nearly as powerful as the state of enthusiasm, bliss, joy. And that might be true for all of us. I'm, I'm, this is an Abraham teaching where they talk about the vibrational scale of emotions, the lowest being like depression and guilt and... Um, mm. I look, even, ooh, look at me. I even think of those words. Could you just feel my energy drop? Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the other end of the scale is happiness, joy, bliss, inspiration. And that's when we're a really good match to all sorts of good things. But I have to admit, when someone tells me I can't do something, I get pretty fired up. <laughs> and I find that too, you know, that's a great igniter. But what happens is for me to really be able to sustain it, especially for the long term, I have to switch over to a different energy. Oh, great. I would agree. And if there, if we don't really have a true desire for something, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, that's probably not, we're not going to get any good juice from that. But uh, I, what, so, so how would you answer the question? 
Well, because I, I, I want to, when I've had people say that you can't do this, I'd be like, seriously, you're not the boss of me, right? That would be, <laughs> and I'd puff up, but it would be great because it might awaken something in me that I wouldn't have had per- given myself permission to go do. Really the sustainability, the the feeling states for me, um, love and compassion are really, really critical. Gratitude. Um, mm. Joy. <laughs> Joy can be a bit vulnerable for me. So um, that 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 one, not as much, but really like, and I really had to do a lot of work around the word love and what does love mean and, hmm. and, and that kind of thing. But when I look back at my, in my life, when I was able to be really a creative force in my life, it was really coming from a deep sense of love and love, not with our cultural rules of what love is and the movies and all that, but just like, just loving, mm. you know, being mm-hmm. love. And um, it's something I'm still like working out. So I don't have a whole lot of words for it, but that part in, in the compassion. Pain. So I'm really grounded. And um, th- that for me has been those. So those are the energy states that I try to make sure I have. Also feel like really powerful ones to get deliberate about. I think you couldn't go wrong with any of those. It's a really good question for people to contemplate for themselves. Thanks for asking it. And and I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, the feelings, you know, knowing what our feelings, what, you know, which ones that we, cause I can go into the, I mean, I think one of my favorite feeling states is to be in a sense of calm, but I don't really create from a sense of calm. Hmm. Right. So for me, that's, it's fine. And I think for some parts of my day, that's fine. But I think, you know, love and compassion is really, really important. And, oh, I know what I was going to say. Here's the thing is that when I don't physically have what it is that I want, whatever it is I'm pursuing, whatever goal, it's that white space in between not having it and having it. That's where... I have to really work hard at those emotions. Hmm. Right? You know, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think there's, there's a lot of power here when we learn to marry something up that a lot of us haven't, we don't naturally do. I think that for many people, our experience is when we want something, we're, we're not happy, we feel discontent, we're striving, we're trying to get there. But there is a way, I've learned this from Abraham Hicks as well, that you can marry up loving what is while looking forward to what's next. So that process of being able to appreciate my present reality and also looking forward to, you know, being excited about and having positive expectation for what unfolds next to be able to marry those two up is powerful vibration because I've got appreciation as well as um, that pure desire. It isn't got to have this in order to feel better desire. It's loving life and can't wait to see what happens next kind of vibration. That's a really cool thing to, to um, bring together. I, but I know a lot of people, you know, if they have a desire for them, it, it naturally means a lack because they don't have it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that way. Well, let's talk about like in terms of a job, right? Like you, you want to have a new job. And that's where loving what is, whatever aspect of this jobs, maybe you are in a toxic workplace, but loving what is, but also 
loving what's to come. What do you think about yes. that? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the, that, that's a sweet spot, girlfriend. When a person can take themselves there, magic happens. I'm thinking about how many people I know who had trouble selling their house. They had it on the market for years, nothing happening. And then someone advises them to go up and love on your house. Like remember all the good times, remember why you bought it and how you felt about it when you first got here or however you can conjure up good feelings for it. And when you do that, there's a, there's a, hot to trot buyer on your door the step the next day. You know, they got to have it cash in hand. Fastest transaction that ever happened. There's something so powerful when we switch out of that place of, of discontent in, into appreciation. I have so many clients who, you know, want to leave their jobs and go to a different job for whatever reasons. And they feel very, you know, and that's fine. And, but, and I'm always trying to get them to love what is. Yeah, it's it, powerful. But they get afraid, Jeanette. They're like, I know. But if I love, then I'm never. Then I'll leave. never leave. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you really loved it, you'd be fine if you never left. And I've ha- actually have had people recently tell me they practiced this, where they wanted a new job, they realized their frustration with their current job was keeping them stuck in it because what we resist persists. So they practiced finding something to appreciate about their job, and they got so good at it, they realized I, I don't need to leave this job. And we're we're happy to stay. And a lot of people tell that story with, yeah, and I got happy to stay. And then the dream come true job came out of the blue, something I never saw coming, never even knew existed. Just because that's how it works. When we're flowing love, we get more stuff to love. Mm -hmm. It's this how I've told you my house story, right? Mm -hmm. About how much I loved that other house that I, Mm -hmm. I knew I would never leave it. I loved it so much. And then there I was in another house I loved even more. So much so. I loved that house so much so. I fought to stay there with my ex. I wanted to stay there. I was waiting him out. I was like, we'll see who leaves first. I even started dating to make him leave. No, he didn't, he wasn't leaving. So finally I decide, all right, it's gonna have to be me that goes. And then I and then he and then he said, Okay, if you really want me to go, I will. But by then I'd started looking at something I knew I would love even more. <laughs> so I was like, No, I'm going. <laughs> And here I am and something I love even more. It just keeps getting better when we love it. It, it is not true that we're going to get to where we want by having discontent or unhappy feelings. So let's talk about, because this, this goes on with a lot of my clients, right? And so maybe I'll send this show to them later. But when you are in a job that you hate, how do you love it? Well, if you stay too long, it can be tricky. I was one of those people. Okay. I had a coach who was... Telling me the same thing. I'd hired her to help me decide whether I really wanted to start a life coaching practice. And then once I decided, yes, for real, I want to do this, she said, okay, well, your first job is you got to start, stop hating on your corporate job. And, and I had the hardest time with that. I had the hardest, hardest time with it. So I, I would report back to her week after week, like, oh, I just, no, there isn't. And she'd say, really? You can't even appreciate the elevator? And it was funny that she would use that example because I worked in the most stunning building in the city. It was absolutely gorgeous. And it happened to have a beautiful elevator. And no, I couldn't even appreciate the elevator. That's how burned out I was. And she, what she said to me, I think she meant it as a threat. What she said to me was, Jeanette, if you can't find a way to appreciate something about this job, then you have to quit it. And I said, good, then I have to quit. And... um I don't think that was the answer she was expecting, <laughs> but I did. I set a date to quit and I felt relief. I felt joy for the first time. And in that moment, once I knew I was going to quit this job, I, and I really, I, I had to, it was literally killing me. So I knew I wasn't just putting a date on the calendar. I didn't mean, I knew I was going to quit. And what happened was 
I started to appreciate my coworkers. I started to think about who I was going to miss. I started to think, oh, I'm not going to be able to go eat at this restaurant anymore that's so convenient. And not to mention, these paychecks aren't going to be coming anymore. So all of a sudden, it was so much easier to appreciate once I, you, you know, the end was in sight. Mm-hmm. Well, I think making that decision versus just hating the job is so important, right? Because now you made the decision and then now you, and then you start looking at, oh, because otherwise when we're not making that decision of, am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Is this really bad? Maybe I should stay. And all that story falling that can go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we keep repeating those thoughts, you know, the vibration that we've got flowing there, it's not taking us anywhere good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I so love that, you know, you said this about loving, what is it? Loving what is while looking forward to what's next. Because yeah. loving what is does not mean that you have to stay. And sometimes I have people who actually do stay, right? Or mm-hmm. and, and, and things change and maybe that toxic boss oh, or yeah. toxic person leaves. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh. Or, you know, you, or, or marriages where what, what my client really wanted is actually coming to fruition. But when they were in that negative energy place, right? When they, when they were believing that their, their spouse didn't love them or whatever, that was what, like I always say that shame is highly contagious. It goes down your pant leg across the floor, up their pant leg around the mm-hmm. neck, right? And so that, that's, that's what we're talking about, being responsible with the energy you bring into a space. Yeah, agreed. You know, the one that uh, I've seen a lot of people get hung up on when I ask them to at least make peace. Like if you can't love it, then at least find a way to make peace with it. So you're at least neutral instead of negative. And the one that a lot of people get hung up on is two things, weight and depression. Like Because a lot of people are nervous. If they make peace with depression, if they stop fighting it, then they will lose themselves in it. They'll never get out of it. It's the opposite. Same with our bodies. You know, if there's something we're resisting, whether it's what we weigh or how we feel in it, our state of health, uh, some people think if they say yes to it and embrace it and try to love that about themselves, then it will never shift. Again, it's the total opposite. It's crazy cool how that works. So why is it that love is the shifting agent? It, I think it's the vibration. It's because I, since I get what I vibrate, if what I'm vibrating is dissatisfaction, discontent, unhappiness, guilt, hatred, whatever, whatever I'm flowing, I'm good. That's all I can get more of because like attracts like. So if I want something different, I have to feel something different. And it doesn't matter the reason that I feel something different. Even if all I did was completely distract myself, this is hard to do when it comes to jobs and bodies and sometimes relationships because. We're, when we're in them and experiencing them, they're so in, in our face, it can be hard to not be paying attention to it. But if it's something that we can distract ourselves from, if I can get happy for any other reason, that works too. I don't necessarily have to get happy with my job if I could just get happy with life. But when you're spending eight hours a day at it, it's kind of hard to be happy when you really hate it when you're right there in it. So finding something about it that you like. And if you really, if there is nothing that you like about it, good Lord, what are you doing there? Mm-hmm. That's but the conclusion I came to. Oftentimes people like, you know, the, the paycheck or maybe the title, right? The, and so they may like that. And so I often say, well, then focus on that mm-hmm. for right now. And because you want to, again, conjure up those feelings. And then going back to what you said earlier is that, you know, only we are in charge of how we feel. Yeah. (laughs) Despite how many times we make someone else responsible for how we feel. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so you had, when you, we'd open up the show, you had talked about um, the experience of, you know, needing the past experience to change. So I want to circle back to that. Ooh, yeah, I do too. Changing the past. Ooh, I mean, needing I don't know. To change the past, right? Because that's the email yeah. that you've been getting. Needing to change the past is, I mean, for a lot of people, they just think what's done is done. And that's actually a helpful way to make peace with it, you know, to just be like, you know, that was yesterday, today's a new day, and then, you know, my past doesn't dictate my future. I mean, there there can be a lot of ways to get okay with whatever's happened that we might not have enjoyed, um, but there is also the option to shift it. It's not my favorite way to go because I think whenever we're whenever we're using that approach, it is out of a place of need to change. And having said that, I did it for fun. And that's when it works best. I haven't actually ever tried to do it out of a place of need, but yeah, need is a, it's a party stopper that, that one is um, it's worth recognizing wherever we've got that flowing in our life, that one's worth turning around and just finding thoughts that feel better can help shift that energy. So one of the things that um, I thought of when you're talking about this was, you know, Oprah has been very uh, open about, you know, being molested. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, a lot of people really will think when, you know, crappy situations like that happen, you know, they wish they'll spend a lot of time wishing it was different and we can't change that. But one of the things that I heard her say in the recent years is that she's, she actually is thankful to mm-hmm. her, um, to those people because she took those situations and learned how to be more resilient goosebumps right yeah not that mm-hmm. she would want that to happen to herself again or to somebody else mm-hmm. but she she can't again change the past but she can change the way she looked at it well and you can feel the empowerment in that perspective right that is not a victim mm-hmm. and that's a completely different vibration than the one that says you know this thing happened to me that's ruined my life and i'll never be the same and i'm broken or damaged in some way. And, and it's the vibration that matters. So however we can find a way to feel better, that's in service to all of our future dreams and successes. Mm-hmm. I, I get it though. I mean, we've all experienced that where we've gone through some challenge, whether it was a big one or a smaller one, that we know we were better off because of. And we might not have picked it at the time, but in hindsight, recognizing that it's part of what made us who we are and we wouldn't change it, that's a, it's a powerful thing. So for people that wanting to change their past, is, is that one of the ways to do that? Mm. Well, mm, uh, yeah. I mean, there are probably a, a variety of ways to go about it. Do you want to talk specifically about the technology of yes. choosing an alternate history? <laughs> the way I learned it from Lynn McTaggart, and she got this just from studying the science behind this, where they would do things like they would they would program the computer to print out random code, you know, 50% zeros and 50% ones. They would have it printed out, already done. And then after the fact, they would ask study participants to intend to alter that output. So either it was more zeros or more ones, which you shouldn't be able to do because first of all, the computer is programmed. It responds to the code, not to someone's intentions. And it's already done. Like, so you shouldn't be able, they shouldn't be able to change this stuff. 
And yet they do. <laughs> they do it again and again. Those studies have been repeated multiple times. They're the coolest thing ever. And they do it in a wide variety of ways, not just with computer code that's been printed out, but with um, they've done it with uh, a hospital patients. Anyway, what Lynn discovered in studying all of these um, studies was that it's a basic process of what she recommended doing is you just reimagine things differently. You tell a softer story about it. So instead of knowing how it happened, you just know it a little bit differently. Think about it a little bit softer. And that, and that's it. Like, it's just, it's not like we're going to meditate on it 30 minutes every day. We're going to act as if that's who we are. Although those things might be cool too, but she didn't recommend that. Just a couple little thoughts here and there. Think on it differently as if it had unfolded the way you want it to. And, um, that's it. Sounds too simple to be crazy, cool, powerful. But I played with it again recently where after I got these questions, uh, I'd, cause I'd done this before with uh, eyebrow raising success. And so I thought it, I hadn't done it since then. I thought, why haven't you? It might be fun. Even though I'm a big fan of, you know, loving what is. So there isn't too much that I really feel like I wish it was different. But after I, these questions came in, I was like, okay, so if I were going to change something, is there anything I would change? And I thought, yeah. My investment results. <laughs> I had pulled money out of the market uh, several years ago for a variety of reasons and had left it sitting in. Most of it was in a money market. Some of it was in a combination of money market and bonds. Very, very, very low performing, dismal <laughs> uh, ROI investment vehicles. So I thought, okay, if I could change anything, it would be that. I would change my investment results. And those weren't the only ones. I had a couple of others too in real estate that I thought would be nice to have different results with. And these were things that were already done. In fact, I had recently sold, cashed out uh, these investments to get into the house. So it's not like I still had the money sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, there was a chance for money market funds to all of a sudden skyrocket and totally change what my account was doing. I had already cashed it out. But I did it just the way Lynn said. Just think about it a little differently. So instead of being, because I was a little grumbly on that topic, like, that was kind of my vibration, kind of irritated, a little frustrated. So instead of telling that version, I just told it a little bit different, with a little bit different energy, and then let it go. And long story short, oh, yeah, I got paid out the equity from my the guy that I used to live with decided he didn't want me on that mortgage anymore. So he cashed me out. And with the money that he gave me, I decided I would put it back into um, one of these investment vehicles. I called the company that I'd been invested with and to make arrangements to get the money back to them. In the process of that conversation, she asked me where I, which, where I wanted to put the money. I said, that's a good question. Cause I was thinking of, and I said it like, that's a good question. Cause with a little bit of irritation, cause I wasn't really a big fan of where I'd had it before. And she, while I was thinking about it, she said, I see where you were invested before. And she said the name of a fund that I didn't recognize. And I said, I, I told her where I thought I had it before. And she, she repeated, no, where you had it before was, and she quoted me the, you know, that it was like 65% stocks and, and the name of it again. And and I thought, I must be hearing her wrong or she must be reading something wrong because I was just in that stupid little money market fund. The third time she repeated it, I realized, 
Jeanette, don't argue with her anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Stop insisting that you know how it was. Let it be the way she's saying it. And so I said, okay, yeah, let's just put it back in there. And um, as I thought about it, it kind of sort of made a little sense to me. Like how when I cashed it out, there was more than I, than I thought there should have been. And how the name start of the fund that she was talking about sounded a little familiar. And I, I just thought, you know, that, that's how fun this stuff is. It doesn't take a lot of work. It just asks us to be willing to change our minds about what we know so well. Ooh. Cool, right? <laughs> it gets even better after that. But that, that's enough to make the point about how... Uh, this, our Look, Einstein said this in his time. Time's an illusion. It's not what we think it is. It doesn't work in the linear way that we're used to thinking of it. It's all happening right now. <laughs> and it's all happening, right? So every, there's every possibility out there exists and it's all within your reach. Even the stuff that you think belongs in the quote unquote past, you still have access to that. If someone really needs to pick something else, you're definitely locked in the one you've got. (laughs) Because if you are resisting it, it's persisting. So being able to be lighter about it and be able to appreciate it even, that would be powerful. That's certainly... And I even had a little frustration with mine and still, there it was, willing to shift for me when I gave a different story. So interesting. Very. One of the things that I've learned to do, I don't know, through the years is that I just love money right? Think about money and it creates a lot of stress for a lot of people um, or the stress comes up, right? When they think about money, but I just love money, whatever, whatever. If it's a penny that I find on the ground, I pick it up and I love it. If it's a check that comes in the mail from a client, I just love it. And, and I think that becomes an important vibration mm-hmm. to put out there. Agreed. And, you know, and never thinking something's too small or too big, but just loving it and having that relationship with money has been really phenomenal in my life. What do you think? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to be willing to welcome it into your life instead of feel guilty about it or think you have to struggle in order for it to get here. People can flow a lot of kinky things when it comes to money. So to be willing to embrace it and celebrate it and love it makes all the difference in how we experience it. Kudos to you for that. Well, and in your story, right? Because people would think, oh, well, if I set my vibration up right, then it's going to be over here, not realizing, oh, here's this money coming in from this avenue I didn't even realize was going to be coming. Right. Hello. That's one of the instructions I like to give money all the time too, is that it comes to me big, easy, and fast (laughs) (laughs) and fun. I like it to be fun too. Uh, But yeah, when I give that instruction, that's what I get. I just got to be willing to drop all the stuff that I learned about it, you know, that it was hard, that it was scarce that it's, if you've got some, that means someone else doesn't. I mean, all the ridiculous things we make up that can contribute to negative experiences of it, when we're willing to drop that and let it be something else, it will be something else for us. We lead this party. It's just matching whatever vibrational instructions we give. Mm-hmm. Letting go of attachment with money, don't you find that to be challenging for people? Yeah, it, it is because we're so used to thinking that our lives depend on it, you know, (laughs) like literally the roof over our head and the food that we eat and our clothes and being able to drive to work. But uh, whatever we think, so shall it be. So if you dare to think something different, it has to match whatever you are willing to decide. It's amazing. And when someone learns how to change their mind about something and give them themselves the flexibility of a different experience, 
I'm telling you, it is amazing how higher power, universe, field, matrix, whatever you want to call it, will respond to whatever you order up. So why does it have to match whatever you're thinking? I don't know why that is. I, the way I learned it from Abraham Hicks is it's, it's the way our universe is set up. It's how the system works. I, I, I'm kind of curious. Are all systems like that or is it just ours? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's why it's the law of attraction. Yeah, that's, that's the way I've learned it. And from what I've experimented with, my results tell me that is so. So this idea of letting go of attachment, I mean, so money can be a weight loss, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, finding the careers that we want, finding a loving relationship. Lovers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say we get attached to people too all the time. Yeah. So what are some examples of letting go of, you know, past relationships and then but wanting to have, I love your, I love the story about you at the house, right? You love this house so much. And you're like, I, there's no place I'd ever want to be. And then things would happen. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. if you have this next house, then you'd love even more. <laughs> I mean, if we could have that kind of idea about like, you know, like I think about a client that's going through a heartbreak right now. And if she could just think about that, like, okay, I loved him, but now I'm going to love somebody even more. Yeah. Right. To, I just got goosebumps at the thought that um, it just keeps getting better when we let it. If we want to stay stuck in a state of suffering or misery, then so shall it be. But if we're willing to believe that and allow that life just keeps getting better, then I don't think we hang on so tight to the things that brought us happiness before that no longer do, because we know that there's more happiness in store. We're not treating it like it's scarce and only occurs under certain circumstances with certain people. When we understand that it can happen in a bazillion different ways with a bazillion different people, then we don't hang on to it. It's just like at the buffet table. Oh, this has happened to me before (laughs) where they have you know how on a cruise, they have like a ton of food. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of food. And at the buffet table, the dessert table in particular, I'm a fan of sampling the desserts. And there, when there's like, when you know there's always another fabulous dessert, you don't get stingy with, you don't like try to make sure you get that last chocolate mousse before someone else does, because you know, they got a whole nother tray of them behind the curtain. And as soon as this one starts to get empty, they're going to bring it and they might even bring something new. You never know. So you just, you don't get too hung up on, Oh, I got to have this because you know, there's plenty more where that came from. If we could treat that, if we could treat our lovers that way and our jobs that way and our money that way, it changes everything. Yeah. I mean, it's that whole scarcity. Yeah. Right. Which is not a good feeling state to be in and that scarcity. And there are so many people around us that will affirm that state of scarcity, you know, that are also believing there's only so much to go around and there are only, you know, so many men available or so many years of good health in your body or whatever. We, we decide to get limited about if we're willing to think it different, it has to be different. So all we really have to do, it goes back to the matrix, free your mind. <laughs> And for you, like, how do you, how do you recommend people free their mind? Practice, (laughs) practice, try on a couple different thoughts, see how they feel. Let your goal be finding a thought that feels better. In fact, I just wrote about that. I can't remember the title of the post, but I was, oh, it's a simple process. It's easier than you think. It's just a matter of finding a thought that feels better. I guarantee the thought of abundance always feel better, feels better than the thought of scarcity. So 
as you let yourself think the thoughts that feel better, you're naturally going to gravitate to an abundant, appreciative state of being. But practice really is the answer because, you know, we, it's law of attraction. Whatever we've given a lot of airtime to, it wants to perpetuate itself. It wants to keep going. If we want to change that, it takes some conscious effort to create a new momentum with a different thought. But with that practice and that repetition and that consistency, pretty soon it gets momentum and it's the natural way to think. And we don't have to be so conscious and deliberate about it. It just becomes automatic and habitual. Take some work, but it's work worth, worth doing. Well, it's like learning how to drive a car. Like I remember when I was 15 and a half and learning and making that right turn at five mm-hmm. miles an hour was so like, <laughs> oh my gosh, right? And now it's not even part of my thought process. I I remember, yeah, with driving, learning to drive a clutch. Oh, oh, wow. terrifying, right? Ter- yeah. Oh my God, how did I end up on this hill? But now it's totally fun. Yeah, and you don't even have to think about it. If you think about it, it's just because you love driving a stick instead mm-hmm. of, oh my God, yeah, mm-hmm. practice. It's practice. No, I, practice is so important. Well, Jeanette, thank you so much for coming back and talking with me today. It's been so much fun to play with you. Mm, fun playing with you too. I'm sad it's over already. <laughs> I know, it goes so fast. <laughs> well, whenever you want to chat again, invite me back anytime. I will. You know I will. Well, thank I love you. you dearly. Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, looking forward to our next play time. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I want to circle back about thought work. And because Jeanette talked about it. And if you're not new to thought work, like what do you mean? Like what is what are Corinne and Jeanette talking about? And the thoughts that you think, and Carol Dweck, she's been on the show before. She's a Stanford professor and researcher. And she says in her book, Mindset, the thoughts that you think can create the results in your lives. In Brene Brown's research, she says that we are story-making creatures. And in the white space of when something happens, our brain is very uncomfortable. And so it wants a story, whether it's true or not, it wants a story. And when we give it a story, we get a dopamine hit. So we get rewarded. So without learning how to manage our minds, because this is not something that we're taught. It's something I discuss all the time with my clients. It's something that I discuss a lot on this show is about the the stories that you choose to believe and paying attention and being a deliberate creator. And it's never about telling yourself lies. And it is for me different than positive affirmations because the feeling state has to go along with the belief at least for me, that's the way I can make it work. But really checking in and are you telling yourself something true? Noticing the stories that are in your head and paying attention. And that's why like if you listen to verbal vomit, I talk about, you know, getting those stories out of your head and putting it in a container. You can be rumbling with the stuff and it's in your head, in your head, and we can, we can make it a big nightmare in there and have all sorts of monkey mind going on. And instead, it's about getting it out putting it in the container, vomiting into the container, because I don't know about you, but I'm a verbal processor. And when something's really stirring me up inside, it just comes. It's schlue. You have to just watch out because here it comes. It's like vomit. And it's in a container. And then you can flush it down the toilet and kind of look at it and go, hmm, wonder what's going on. What was the cause of this? Why was I choosing to believe this would be? Why am I choosing to believe this? Is there truth to this? So really paying attention to your thoughts, because your thoughts create those feelings. Just like Jeanette, when she says, my happiness is not dependent on anything outside of me. 
Our happiness comes from our thoughts, from the stories that we tell ourselves. The thoughts help create the feelings. So what do you want to tell yourself? If you say, I can't do this, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel confident in the moment? I mean, athletes do this all the time, right? You go, I'm strong. I am capable. We have this little girl on the team and that's what she says. I am strong. I am capable. And she has willed her way across the pool. If you want to be happy, what right now can you tell yourself that can bring up feelings of happiness? And again, it's not about looking at the pictures of when your kids were little and going, oh, they were so cute. And then the story is, I didn't appreciate the time when I was there. That is not going to bring up happiness. So paying attention. It's, it's like turning on music that's going to create happiness or television. And again, I know, again, this goes outside of what Jeanette had said of my happiness is not dependent of anything outside of me. That's just programming, television, music. It's programming of our brain. So how do we want to program our brain ourselves? What do we want to say? Like I can say, wow, it's a beautiful day or I'm so happy I get to wear pants today. It's not hot to wear too hot where I want to wear shorts or I live a really good life. I mean, I say that all the time and it is true. It doesn't mean that my house is spotless. It doesn't mean that there aren't shit shows happening in my life, but I do. I live a really good life when I think about it. When I think about it as what is really important to me and my values, it's a really good life. So as I'm going through the shit show, I'm like, yes, this is a shit show and I live a really good life. Or when I'm struggling with something or I have to do something that maybe outside of my comfort zone, I say, this is taking courage and it's hard and I can do hard things. And that right there, I feel confident. So noticing that your thoughts create those feelings which then, then you take action from those feeling states. And that's what Jeanette was talking about, of taking action from those feeling states. You know, when she was talking about enthusiasm, bliss, joy, and I was talking about love and compassion, I really work hard at not taking action out of those feelings of shame or scarcity because shame is the voice of not enough and scarcity is right there along with it. And if I'm feeling that, I feel that emotion of shame and scarcity And then I pay attention to what are the stories? And it's usually comparison that's going on. I'm comparing my insides with somebody else's outsides. I'm comparing my life to somebody else's Facebook without even going, huh, is that something that I want to be doing? Is that in a line with the life that I have? Is that my priorities? Is that my values? And then the story starts to change because I go, wait, what is it that I really, really want? It's this. And I understand that Jeanette said that that's still not a very high vibration of the want. But for me, want is, an, is fine. And need is actually a much graspier word. So your thoughts create your feelings. So often people think our situations create our feelings. You know, since my boss didn't appreciate me. But my question to you is, do you appreciate you? Do you believe that you do good work? And why do we seek outside validation? That could be a show in itself. So thought work and how you do this. She said practice. I say practice and everyone's like, well, great, but what's this? We want the pill so that it, or the magic wand so it all gets better. But it's everyday practicing. It's everyday saying, why am I choosing this belief? Why am I choosing this belief that it's never going to happen to me? Why would you choose that? I mean, you're probably not going to be choosing that if you're listening to this show because this show is very inspirational. It's about if this is possible for somebody else, then what can be possible for you? And maybe this helps you get energized so that you can go do that. 
in your life. But why would we choose these beliefs that get in our way and help us stay stuck and really think about that versus believing in a better outcome? And that takes courage and that's vulnerable because what if it doesn't happen? But it feels a lot better while you're in the process. And then who knows? It's like Jeanette talks about the money showing up from a, you know, from a separate source. You may be thinking you're going to meet somebody else, but then you meet somebody else that you didn't even know that existed, who's really in line with your values. So thought work. So how do you go about doing this in a practical standpoint? One is, Anne Lamont calls it a shitty first draft. You just write, get all the stuff out, purge all those thoughts and just, or what I call verbal vomit, right? Get it out. Be honest. It has to be in a safe place. It has to be, you know, if you're going to verbally vomit and that's willing to be vulnerable with somebody who's earned the right to hear your story, somebody who's going to be willing to hold the container and not jump in and fix it. And they may, they may be a person that will hold the container, but then want to fix it. You have to have that boundary with your, with them and yourself of saying, thanks so much. But right now I just need to get this out. I'm processing this. I'm rumbling with these stories. Can you hold this container for me? Writing it out is really, really powerful. Getting it out. Okay. Then from there, look, notice the pattern. What are these thoughts? What thought is creating the feeling, which is then creating the action, which is then creating the result in your life and pay attention to that. And then Jeanette just says, go choose a better thought. The big thing is, I believe the feeling has to be aligned with the thought. So, you know, if you stand in front of the mirror and you have a hundred pounds to lose and you're saying, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, I'm skinny. The feeling is probably a distrust. I don't even know if that's a feeling. It's, you know, fraud, shame, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. When you feel shame, how do you act? What do you do? People typically hide away, numb, you know, go watch television. They will approve a whore, but not usually ourselves, or they'll puff up. And usually in that with weight loss, it's, let me show you, see, I'm going to be really, really good. Not going to eat this food. And for a lot of people that willpower lasts, you know, for me, less than three hours. So it's not very effective versus if you go, okay, here's my body. It supported me. I'm a hundred pounds overweight. That's compassion. That's owning your story and loving yourself. You're not beating yourself up. You're not saying you should be any different. This is where I am. And that's the tricky part, right? Because we want, we're, we're thinking, no, I have to beat myself up to get the results. And actually you have to love yourself. And that one is so hard because we then it triggers, well, who do I think I am? Or somebody else telling us, who do you think you are? But love yourself because when you love yourself, you want to take care of yourself. And then you can stair-step those thought beliefs of I'm a person who takes care of herself. This is what I do. And that's how those transformations happen. So thought work, managing your thoughts, managing the stories. We get to choose we be- what we believe. So why not choose a better thought? Why not choose the truth? Because to beat ourselves up, to self-deprecate ourselves, it usually doesn't allow us to feel very good. And this work is counterculture, right? This is always a struggle. My clients get really frustrated. They're like, how come nobody's taught me this? Or why don't I already know this? And, and they beat themselves up. Again, it's not very effective. It's effective to beat the crap out of ours. I mean, it's no, it's not, it's not that it's effective. It's cultural to beat the crap out of us, right? Shame is really powerful. It's a good way to get people to do what we want them to do. You shame and fear. It's not long lasting. It's not sustainable. 
the thing I think about in my life and the work I do with my clients and the show and to be able to have a show for 10 years is thinking about how can this be sustainable? How can this be as deliberate as driving? Those are skills that we learned, you know, I, gosh, that was almost 30 years ago, 29 years ago that I learned how to drive a car. I have that skill set. I can still drive. And that's what we want to have with this is that how can you live a life that's sustainable? What are the things that you can do on a long-term basis that aren't going to take a whole lot of energy? If I had to use the same amount of energy to drive a car that I did when I was 15 and a half, I wouldn't have the capacity to do the show because my energy would be focused on that. But now that I have learned how to drive a car and master that skill set, it's not that I'm numb or not paying attention, but it doesn't require a whole lot of my brain juice. So now I can use my brain juice for other arenas of my life. There's things that I'm learning. There's things that I know how to do. And then there's things that are just so ingrained that I don't even have to think that much about it, like putting the wash in the laundry. I know how to do that, folding clothes. Those are skills that are almost robotic for me, right? So that way the brain juice that I use can be for the growth opportunities. And that's why it becomes so important. So thought work and realizing that this work is counterculture. Her talking about laws of attraction, it's counterculture. But I invite you, go and test it out. Don't just believe us. Go test this out. Whatever you want to call it, the universe, synchronicity, if you want to look at science, whatever it is, test it out. Don't just trust us. Test it out in your life and do it in small. I'd love to do small tests where there isn't high risk and pay attention, right? See how this works for you. Pay attention. And I love this idea of figuring out what emotions work for you and what emotions scare you. Maybe like for me, love is a word is a, a word and a feeling that I'm evolving with. Because for a long time, the word, and I've talked about this in other shows, love was just for my husband or just for my kids. And being able to receive love from others and to give love, you know, in knowing that I'm in my place of power and not power meaning domination, but really where I stand on sacred ground when I'm in a place of love and really can be of service. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm smiling big for you. And I invite you, go to the website, howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for the newsletter and let's get connected. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide